everybody to the four tales podcast the only podcast where you're going to find two blurs talking to other comic creators about what they like i am your host kyron silva from taurus comics across the way is a purple purveyor of ace blade danny j quick how you doing danny doing pretty good man i'm good happy to be back man you did last week's show without me and uh you know i had to send in my send in my video so that i can keep my numbers up but you know i appreciate you including me last week at least no, I'm happy to have you back. It will, it will, I, will, I will admit, it was rough last week without you. Um, I'm glad that we had Dan Bethel. I'm just realizing there are way too many Dan's in my life at this point. Yeah, right now, right now you're having a Danwich. Yeah, a Danwich, absolutely. Um, I, I need to get some more friends is what that tells me. But um, I do, we do want to thank Dan for stepping in at literally the last moment. Um, none of you guys know this, but last week or two weeks ago, Danny texted me at like 10 o'clock at night the day before we record saying hey i can't go my family wants me to do something so they at the know, last moment yeah they don't need to know this we had to i had to reschedule a driver's test with my daughter and it was mm-hmm. the only time that i had she's trying to get her license mm-hmm. so i had to do it but mm-hmm. the people don't need to know that kyron don't be yeah. putting me out right, there in fine. the street all right so but what they do need to know is who we have on today and we actually have this is our biggest guest so far um, he is the original artist for the comic book Bloodstrike. He's also done comic books like Spider-Man and Wolverine, uh, He-Man. He did an amazing self-published book called The Grave a few years ago. Um, he is a music video star. He's also worked with other music stars like Justin Timberlake, Beyonce, uh, Taylor Swift, I think is one of those. Um, he's a storyboard artist for TV shows like the ATL and Doom Patrol. He's also worked on movies like Transporter and low-key one of my favorite movies, Fantastic Four Rise of Silver Surfer, only because I love the Silver Surfer. Everything else about the movie was crap. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, stop it. I love that. I love that one. I love that one. Don't forget about uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. That's an important one, too. No, we try to forget about that. <laughs> we try to forget about that. Uh, but if you haven't figured out who we have, we have the Fragaboom himself, Dan Fraga. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I feel like an honorary blurred, you know, honorary. Well, I mean, you have to take the test first before you become an honorary. So we have to. Oh, look, look, hit me with it if you want. Um, I haven't taken. I wasn't it myself, ready. So. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> we will email that to you after the show, and then we'll okay. get back to you with the All results. Right. And if All you right. get it, we'll mail you the the blurred card. I appreciate it. Uh, but I mean, thanks for having me. I mean, when I when I sent you out the request, I was like, I don't know if he's going to do this because we're just two dudes talking. I don't know if he's really going to want to be on this. But you and I have yeah. talked a lot over the years through Facebook. Many years, I, yeah. yeah. I've inked you, man. I've, yeah. I've inked your work. You have. Yeah. You inked. You inked. That's that's still hanging up on my wall, actually. Yeah. Um, I, that was one of the best things I ever did, only because you inked it. So oh, I appreciate on, that. I had a lot of fun doing that. But, I mean, we want to just talk about what it is with comics and what got you into comics. So I guess let's start there. Like, how did you first get into comics as, because you did it really young, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I grew up, I grew up in a, a smaller town in Northern California uh, called Martinez. 
and there wasn't really much to do. Uh, you know, your grand aspirations is you could work at the refinery or get out of town. And uh, my idea was get out of town, but we, we also weren't a family of means. So, you know, even though my grades are good, college wasn't really looking like it was going to happen because uh, it just didn't look like it was going to happen. It wasn't something that uh, I could afford, my, my family could afford. Uh, and, and with that, also in my youth, you know, Christmas and birthdays were the time where we got hooked up with stuff, you know, toys and things. Any other any other things that we wanted in our lives, we had to like go and hustle and do get ourselves. Um, and one of the things that I really enjoyed as a kid and and to this day was comic books. There was, uh, you know, at least when I started buying them, they were fifty five cents. Mm. And uh, you know, you yeah, you could, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, and you can kind of get lost in a world, you know, and, and I'd already been bit by the Marvel bug sort of, uh, I'm sure it was in their planning back in 78 Marvel had these mall tours where they would send Spider-Man to your mall and you kind of get a picture with him. So I, I, when I was five, I got to meet Spider-Man, got my picture. And then I saw him on electric company and I was like, that's that guy. Like I met him, you know, and, and he was very real to me. And then of course, Marvel had the Marvel Superheroes activity books. Those are really big at the time. You know, these coloring books with mm -hmm. uh, introduction to to uh, Marvel superheroes. And then r roughly around uh, 80, 82 or so, Spider-Man and his amazing friends came out. Uh, so I was, and my and my television station was replaying the, the 1967 Spider-Man, uh, the moment we loved the theme song from. So I was, I was all in on those characters, but the, the drawing came be out of uh, necessity, you know, when you don't have money uh, and you want to explore your imagination, you, you draw, you know, and, yeah. and uh, I started copying things out of comics. And then I started thinking, well, what would happen if I invented my own and made my own stories? And, uh, and then, I, you know, I had a great time doing it. And then I started sharing them with people. And I saw that the joy translated. It was it was kind of like a handoff of this joy. I did this thing. I handed it off. Uh, it would make my mom smile, my grandpa smile, my you know the kids at school that checked it out. Uh, and then roughly roughly around two thousand no nineteen eighty eight was my very first convention I ever went to. Uh, it was WonderCon. It was in Oakland, California. And uh, Stan Lee was there and uh, Marvel had just released this series of books. And at the time it was a big deal. Trade paperbacks weren't like a thing. Uh, and they released something called Marvel Masterworks. And they were these hardbound, uh, you know, had a dust jacket with embossed gold leafing on it. And uh, of course, I bought the Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. And I, I needed to get them signed by Stan Lee. And I was, you know, going to you know, I drew a picture for him and, uh, his line was long. His line was very long and it extended into artist alley. And, uh, I thought I'm going to talk to these artists, you know, and, and I saw this one guy, he was drawing Hulk, uh, a guy named Eric Larson started rapping with him and, uh, told him, you know, I was going to give, uh, Stan Lee a drawing because I like to draw too. And 
uh, he, he said, Stan Lee's going to throw that in the trash. Mm. And I said, uh, he's not going to want to throw this one in the trash. He's going to want to keep it. And because uh, I, you know, I had belief even at, a, at 14, I had belief that I was going to draw comic books. And uh, he said, why is it? Why? Why wouldn't Stanley throw this in the trash? Why would he want to keep it? I said, well, because I'm going to I'm going to work for Marvel Comics one day. I'm going to draw comics and he's going to remember like one, that kid uh, and he's going to have that picture and it's going to be fun. And uh, Eric Larson said, well, let me see that drawing. He looked at it and he looked at me and he said, um, what do you do? I said, what do you mean? I'm a student. He goes, do you have a job? I said, yeah, I work at a pizzeria. I make pizzas. And his, his uh, cold hard fact truth was, uh, he said, you better make good pizzas because you're never going to draw comics. Damn. Savage. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't know <laughs> if you guys have ever seen Kill Bill, uh, yeah. but there's a, there's when she gets mad, uh, this this Quincy Jones Ironside. I heard that in my mind uh, when he said that. I didn't even know that song existed, but I heard that. It was like an alarm went off. Uh, and uh, I got really, uh, really, really driven. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I made it my goal. Not only was I interested in becoming a comic book artist, it was the only option. Uh, and, and I became hyper-focused, uh, started studying things, John Byrne, uh, eventually, uh, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, Michael Golden. Uh, and then I was so passionate about comic books that my, uh, junior year of high school, which was, uh, 8990, my, uh, AV AV, uh, which is audio video, opened up. It was a, an elective, and, and you, you had a choice. You could take on different roles. You could be in the back in the, in the broadcast room. Uh, well, they, basically, it was an after-school thing where they put on this uh, live television show, and it was like two hours of variety, right? You know, And your choices were you could be a cameraman, a sound man, uh, behind the scenes running the boards, or you can create a show and host it. And I said, uh, I want to host it. I want to make a show. So I created a show called Comic Review for You. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of my information from different comic trades, like uh, Comic Scene, Comics Journal, Comics Review, Comics Feature. And I would basically uh, uh, give like the news that week, new comics coming out, if there was any movie news, that sort of thing. And uh, I wanted to also create a little bit of variety where I did these sort of pre-taped things where I went out and visited a comic book store and talked about that or uh, go to a comic convention and get my portfolio reviewed and see what it was like to have a portfolio review. So in, in November of 89, November 19th, 1989, Pelican, it was in San Francisco. Um, the guests were none other than Eric Larson. Mm. Uh, Rob Liefeld, Art Adams, Derek <laughs> Robertson. And uh, I had intended to bring, uh, I, I, had, I intended to uh, bring my stuff to Eric Larson because I wanted uh, to, to poke that bear. You know, this guy told me I'd never be, be a comic artist. I wanted a portfolio review from him and I wanted it on camera for the cold hard facts of it all. But sitting next to him was Rob Liefeld, who I'd never met before. 
Um, I bought some of his books and I really enjoyed his work uh, at the time. He uh, had Amazing Spider-Man Annual 23 had just come out. New Mutants Annual had come out uh, a couple months prior. What If Number 7 had come out. And he had uh, just in the previous year had done Hawk and Dove. So this is Rob Liefeld pre-New Mutants, pre-X-Force, <laughs> pre-Rob being Rob Liefeld. Oh, yeah. He's just this guy that uh, uh, I wanted to talk to. So uh, Eric seemed really busy and agitated. Uh, that's so every I, time I've met Eric calls, he seems really agitated. <laughs> yeah, that's like his thing. Uh, so he, uh, Rob, Rob uh, did a portfolio review of my stuff. He did a portfolio review of my buddy Mike, uh, and he also had a lot of stuff for sale: pages from What If, pages from the New Mutants uh, Annual, uh, and also a stack of drawings. Right, Rob did a lot of sketching, character sketches, and one of the uh, pieces like i didn't have much money my friend mike had a few dollars in his pocket and he bought a sketch off of rob a pre-drawn sketch it was a character designed for a character called strife who would later be featured in new mutants and x-force it was it's rob's design for strife my buddy bought it for 60 bucks wow Um, does he still have that because that could be he still has it he he won't do pry it from his dead hands man like that's how he's he's holding it but one of the three kids if he wants one he can have one yeah 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 yeah. he might (laughs) he might but here's here's the the interesting part of it is that rob had done the sketch on the back of his personal stationery Mm -hmm. uh so on the back of this piece of paper was rob's uh name address telephone number fax number right (laughs) and uh i was like man i'm gonna call this dude like Mike, let me take down that info. So I wrote it all down and I, I called Rob um, and I had a habit. You got to understand something. This is something I used to do quite often uh, because, and I highly recommend this to your listeners. Um, if there's something in your sites uh, that you, you are in trepidation is creeping in on you, whether you should or shouldn't, um, I always say you should. Uh, especially when it comes to uh, taking a risk, because in this case, it was call Rob Liefeld. Uh, I've also, when I met Jack Kirby, I met, I walked up to him and I asked him for his phone number. He gave it to me. Uh, I, I also, when, when I used to go through the comic trades, anytime an artist would mention where they're from, I would call information and, and call them. Like I would call Mike Zek, I'd call Art Adams. Mm-hmm. I like, because they were in the phone book, you know, that's what I did. Cause I needed, I needed all the info. So, uh, circling back with Rob, I just said, Hey man, um, this is Dan Frega. And he's like, who I said, uh, the kid you met this weekend, I I filmed you doing a portfolio review. Oh yeah. 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 That guy. Like, yeah, man. Uh, how'd you get my number? And I explained (laughs) to him, uh, what had happened. He's like, yeah, I better not draw on the back of those anymore. Uh, and, and, uh, learn. (laughs) Yeah. I said, listen, do you mind, do you mind if, uh, I said, I'm seeing your fax number here. Do you mind if I, uh, occasionally fax you my latest stuff and call you up and, and, and get some feedback from you? And Rob was really gracious. He said, yeah, sure. Fine. Yeah, that's great. Um, and of course I started calling more and more. Uh, and, uh, it was, it was wonderful because I got to get a lot of, um, ground floor information, like when he started New Mutants and 
you know, when Todd would ink him on a cover, I would call and be like, yeah, man, this is the greatest thing. What's, what's going on with Todd? What's going on with Jim? And like, I'd get all this sort of insider information and it really stoked my fires. And I I got, I got to a point uh, where I was a pest, you know, kind of like, you know, overstep uh, my boundaries a little bit. And Rob handed off the phone to uh, Marat Michaels, who was Rob's assistant at the time. And Marat and I uh, forged a friendship. And, uh, I remember I saw them at San Diego Comic-Con 91. It was the first year that they had it at the convention center. And uh, I was sending my samples to DC and uh, talking to them. And and they were giving me all kinds of um, inventory stories to do. So I was getting closer uh, to breaking in. So I see Marat and Rob. And that's when Rob uh, tells me about this company. He's going to start with Eric Larson and and Todd McFarlane. It was just the three of them at, at first. I said, man, that's really interesting. Uh, so they they invited me. Uh, I think I I think I have it somewhere around here. I you know, um, it. no, that's beef jerky. Uh, I have it around here somewhere. But uh, that's the title of this episode. No, that's beef jerky. <laughs> yeah, no, that's beef jerky. Yeah, here it is, man. Um, right here. So this is this is one of the comics I used to sell in high school. It's called the Adventurer. Nice. Um, but, but in, in here, I have, uh, I always tell my kids, your dad was in the paper three times front page. Right. Uh, so this, this was the first time right here, 1989. Uh, it was the first time my work saw print. I did a daily strip in my town newspaper. Uh, and then uh, they followed up like a year later, uh, right here. It says spinach inspires cartoonist. That's a long (laughs) story. Um, but this is the one right here. Teenage artist career hits the big time. Um, I had been hired by Rob uh, to join Image Comics. And and the person who is responsible for, for my hire, or at least putting it in Rob's ear that he should hire me, was Marat. So Marat mm. said, hey, man, uh, you know, you got this book, you got this book, you uh, we need, we need someone else who can draw and Dan can draw, you know, and, and uh, Rob agreed and said, if you're willing to relocate down here, uh, you have a job, which was great because I was getting to a point where I thought maybe it wasn't going to happen. And, and I uh, had enlisted into the Navy and hmm. uh, I, I was, how old were you at this time then? 18. I had just graduated okay. high school Damn. Uh, and it was uh, November or December of 91. I was uh, supposed to go in and they, they have this thing called MEPS for the Navy where you go mm-hmm. in and you take a physical and then you put your hand up and say, uh, you, you know, you swear yourself. Swear into yourself the Navy. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I, I was going to go in on Wednesday. I was about to go in on a Wednesday, but uh, two days prior on a Monday is when I got the call from Marat and Rob asking me if I would be willing to uh, move to Southern California to join the studio. So I, I called the recruiter. I said, am I obligated in any way? And he said, um, I'll use the 2021. That ain't a good look is basically what he said to me, <laughs> but you're not obligated. And I said, well, I will not be there. Um, so I was originally slated to work on a book called the odd. Uh, and it was Robin Marat's interpretation of the wizard of Oz. So, uh, you know, Toto was a wolf, uh, the, you know, Dorothy was like a badass. The, the cowardly lion was like a feral beast. The, the tin man was kind of iron man, like, you know, 
Uh, Scarecrow was real creepy and, you know, like Scarecrow from Batman. And that, that's, that's essentially what, what I was hired to do. And I, you know, I, I, uh, I went down there in, in uh, February of 92 to kind of scout it out uh, to see what, you know, where I'd live. And uh, it happened that the, 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 the weekend that I was there was when the, the news broke that seven artists from Marvel comics were forming image comics and CNN had gone down to uh, Rob's studio where all the, the seven image founders were and CNN had come. And if you ever see that, uh, if you ever see that footage, you can look it up on YouTube. I'm in it. I'm like sitting on a beanbag, you know, as CNN is going seven artists, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it was a very surreal experience that, that evening when we all had dinner, because, um, even to this day, I consider myself a, a giant fan, a fan uh, of comics, fan of individuals that make comics. And especially at that time, I had just graduated high school, like, you know, a few months prior, maybe eight months prior to sitting there at a table with uh, Marat and the seven image founders uh, having Chinese dinner and just looking around the table uh, at sort of the pantheon of, of comic book greats, uh, especially mm-hmm. at the time. And thinking, how did I get here? Um, so yeah. that's how I broke in. That is the short, long story of how I broke in. No, no, no. Step one. Step one. Don't join the navy. That's the, yeah. that's the step one. Step one. <laughs> well, there goes our sponsorship with the navy. Thanks, Danny. Mm. No, we that's still got the army. army. Don't worry about it. We still got yeah. army. Best. Well, that's my and my <laughs> saying that I always say at the end of my shows is always uh, be and do your best. So that's mm-hmm. kind of army like the best you can be. Yeah, be all you can be. That's right. Yeah. No. Um, that's a great story. That's great. Like, uh, I, you know, I've, I've followed your career. I've done a little research, but uh, much of that I didn't know. It's great to, great to, great to hear all of that. Oh, thanks. Now, I mean, after all this, you went to stardom with Blood Strike, and then you started going into, um, like other aspects. I forgot what I was going to say, so let's restart this. After you started with Bloodstrike, you started doing other projects, and you've transitioned. Like we mentioned earlier, you went to Spider Man and Mar- and Wolverine. You've done mm-hmm. stuff for DC, things like that. During this, now what three decades that you've been making comics? What comics have you? Years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what book would you say you're most proud of working on? Well, it's a it's it's a complex thing, you know. Uh, I would have to like I want to say Black Flag, my creator own book, um, and and that was the direct byproduct of restlessness. You know, when when I worked on Blood Strike, I was working from Rob's layouts, and uh, Rob's layouts are really tight. And I don't my natural instinct is is not to draw uh, in the way Rob draws. He draws arms a different way than I draw legs a different way. His gestures were good, but I was young and I didn't really know how to translate uh, layouts that in a way that I could now. Now I would just look at it as a suggestion and do my own thing if I, if I, if I ever worked from someone else's layouts. But at the time, you know, the process was in the way the pro- process always worked uh, at Extreme was if Rob did a layout, uh, it was enlarged on a photocopier, some uh an assistant would light box it lightly on a piece of paper and then hand it off to you. And you went and drew the thing. So I was, you know, drawing over that stuff and it felt very restrictive. And then 
that was the first three issues. And then on the fourth issue, Rob uh, had hired Keith Giffen, fantastic guy. Keith, you know, uh, did the layouts on Lobo for Simon Biz. So, you know, mm -hmm. his, his layouts are good, but he drew in a totally, totally yeah. different way than I did. And he had shifted the book over from being this sort of military, uh, you know, kind of kick-ass book, which was very, very popular in 92, 93, that, that, you know, big guns, pouches, you know, that sort of thing. And he turned it into more of a zombie book where guts and blood and like people dragging their half bodies around. And I was like, man, I'm not really into that. And I'm not into, uh, you know, uh, Keith's drawing over Keith's stuff because it's really different than the way I drew. So uh, I, I created Black Flag, you know, and and uh, and Rob let me do that. Uh, but if, if it was a piece of work that wasn't one that I created my, the, the book, I'm absolutely the most proud of, uh, and I get a lot of feedback because people can feel the love is kid Supreme. Uh, kid Supreme was a book where, uh, Rob basically gave me, um, bare bones concept. Basically it's, uh, a teenager with the powers of Supreme. And I said, uh, I said, well, what if he, what if he had to hide it like Peter Parker? And what if he lived in a small town and went to high school? And what if his villains uh, were kind of more like Spider-Man's villains and less like cosmic, but more like Spider-Man's villains? So I, I got to create a bunch of villains that were very much inspired. I mean, I had a guy called the Buzzard, uh, the Vulture. You know, yeah. I had a guy named Blacktop, which was mm -hmm. like the Sandman. I had. Uh, kilowatt which was like the shocker and i had a guy called reptile which was like the lizard mm -hmm. uh so you know i was i was having having fun doing my thing but i put a lot of my own experiences growing up you know i, I was um not in tw not in the 2021 sort of way but in the sort of way that every kid in the 80s and 70s that was into comics and was skinny and small i was bullied and i was made fun of because i like I like comics and, you know, I didn't do the standard stuff. So I, I made, uh, I made this character uh, bullied, you know, and deep mm -hmm. down inside, like same thing with Peter Parker, Flash Thompson would pick on him and we all knew he was Spider-Man and that sort of restraint. So I put that in there. I put a lot of my hometown uh, monuments in it and um, put it, put all kinds of experiences that I had in the book uh, and it made it very authentic. You know, I was coming from uh, a real place uh, on that book. So that that would be um, my favorite book that I, I did. I mean, I, I basically I, I don't want to say I created it because I did not create Kid Supreme, but I created the situation within that book uh, and one that I'm very proud of. Oh, if you were mentioning. Oh, go ahead. Dan. No, I was just going to say because uh, I I thought when I, you know, when I seen Kid Supreme, I, you know, it being an image book that um you know people would kind of compare it to uh invincible now so um you know it's kind of in that in that vein where you know a young kid with uh superpowers and um you know they're both inspired by spider-man and and um yeah. you know i, I, I love the same thing when i read invincible i thought man kirkman must have loved kid supreme yeah you know <laughs> and like when i read kick-ass i thought a mark millar or mark miller must have really loved my book swat mm -hmm. uh because it, it's the exact same concept but 10 years earlier right you know? so yeah it's interesting 
Do you ever look back at how comics have evolved now? Because you're mentioning how when you're growing up, when you're reading comics, you would get bullied because it was, you know, geeky and nerdy. Mm-hmm. Do you ever look back and be like, damn, how did this? I mean, I know it's mostly because of movies, but yeah. you ever look back and be like, damn, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I would have got my ass beat for reading a comic. Now. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's cool. Yeah. No, it's nuts. I mean, we kind of like as geek culture, if you read X-Men, it was kind of like, you know, you guys talk about blurred and the tests you got to take. That was like X-Men was kind of like, oh, you like comics. What do you yeah. like? And if X-Men wasn't on their list, you were like, mm, mm. you know, uh, but man, 89 was like, uh, like the, I don't know, like for the, the, you know, the gay community, they have pride parades, you know, mm. 89 was like the comic book parade because Batman was coming out. And instead of going to your specialty store to get your Batman shirt, which, you know, graffiti designs had the the market on, you were seeing Batman shirts at Macy's and JCPenney and Sears and like Batman suddenly became mainstream. And you're like, yeah, I can wear my Batman shirt. And people will be like, yeah, he just has Batmania, you know, and it was kind of like like that was like most freeing year. 89 was such a good year. Uh, to be a comic book fan but yeah it is interesting you know now but also like the the one thing that's funny to me about you know the the quote-unquote geek culture now you got tv shows and dedicated twitters and youtube shows and all this stuff the funny stuff to me uh i, I have like a uh an what do you call it a, a little side story that it very much like it right so my stepson, he's 16 now, but when he was seven, uh, Clone Wars was very popular. And and uh, I used to take him to school. And before school would let in, they had a gate that was locked that someone had to come and unlock. And a lot of kids and parents were waiting out there. And uh, a bunch of kids were talking about uh, Django Fett and Boba Fett and, and all of that. And I said, I said, hey, kids, you know what's crazy is... Uh, Boba Fett is the only clone that hadn't been doctored by that. And they're like, he's not a clone. I said, yeah, he is. He's a perfect copy of Django. Boba is Django. And they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. And like, here's a bunch of little kids telling me that I don't know Star Wars and like that, that (laughs) Star Wars isn't for me. And I'm like, yo, man, I saw Star (laughs) Wars in the theater when I was four, man. Like it, but it, it, that's, it's kind of what it feels like sometimes to be a comic book fan these days is like you encounter some people that that are part of geek culture and they they try to check you and you're like listen yeah <laughs> and it animates yeah. the same way now too my I yeah. have a, uh, my middle daughter is the is the anime nerd in the house but i'm like Weeb. listen now listen now I, i've been doing this a long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't try to tell me don't try to tell me my hero academia isn't influenced by naruto which was influenced by dragon don't try to tell me i know yeah it's Mm -hmm. funny though because i i have to say man uh uh full disclosure i was a little closed-minded on new anime because like i felt like i lived in the glory days you know i had akira i had fist Mm -hmm. of the north star uh i had vampire hunter d ninja scroll ninja scroll uh, macross uh star blazers bubblegum crisis like this is where where i came from so and dragon ball right dragon mm-hmm. ball was like on the end so when i saw uh naruto i was like okay Whatever. you know like eh. 
And then my son, my seven-year-old son introduced me to uh, My Hero Academia. And I was like, I don't need this, man. It's just a retread. And then I sat and watched it. And outside of Deku's whiny ass voice, uh, (laughs) I really, really enjoy that show. Same with One Punch Man. Really enjoy One Punch Man, Demon Slayer. I'm all in with my kids now. So they they did show me the way. You know, so it's a little this and that, I guess. Naruto, Naruto was the one for me. I um, I don't know what how it happened, but I I got converted with Naruto from being a big yeah. Dragon Ball Z fan, and I ended up converting my older cousins who were who were more like you, who are like, nah, I, you know, fist, like they were the ones bringing me the VHSs of yeah, you know, Fist of the North Star and stuff like yeah. that. And, um, you know, I was like, nah, you got to check out. You got to check out Naruto. It was actually pretty good, man. You got to check it yeah. out. And they, you know, they ended it's got up. Hard. It's yeah, got hard. It's got hard. But that back in the day that like it was, like you said, it's VHS. And it was usually that logo that said manga that caught mm-hmm. fire, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's all you got. You know, it was very, very limited. And then, of course, like every now and then some some of the naughty stuff came through, you know, like the, the blue girl and all that other stuff. And you're like, well, what is this? Uh, not into the tentacles, you know, but <laughs> it got around. <laughs> hey, there's something for everybody. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's true. Variety is what it is. Yeah, man. So uh, we do a we do a little segment on our show called uh, Danny's Quick Takes, right? Mm. So what we'll do really quick is I got five questions for you. I've been stalking yeah, your yeah. social media, you know, okay. for the past couple of days. And I got some questions for you, and you sure, just have sure. to come up with a uh, with an answer for us off the top of your head. You'll get forty five seconds, and uh, for all know. five? No, um, for each you get. Oh, okay. I'm like nine question. seconds a question. All right, but okay, yeah, forty five. That's that's great, man. No, we're gonna, we're, no, we're switching up now. Now we're gonna do nine seconds for each one. Let's do that. Okay, let's go. It'll be one oh. one word answers each. One. I gotta I gotta oh, talk like the micro machines guy. And then it's like done. Yeah. <laughs> so um, right. um here we go we'll do a uh, first question all right so mm-hmm. i saw uh that you retweeted will smith's uh passing up on the matrix i, I recently yeah. rewatched the matrix and uh you yeah. know it was just a great film and and he yeah. says you know he's you know even though he thinks about it a lot he doesn't regret it but he yeah. thinks that he would have you know he would have destroyed the destroyed the film franchise so i was thinking are there any opportunities that you wish that you had taken or anything that you regret passing up on well first off uh, and i'm going to go as fast as i can uh it's 100 percent true in fact i was working with jada pinkett his wife uh when they were considering it and she told me the exact same pitch that will gave in that tweet uh, about the the cameras and floating in space and she said it just seemed weird and they kept saying we're your, your batteries and she's like yeah we just had to pass on that uh as far as stuff uh that i i could have taken and passed on um no i'm very happy with my career that's awesome that's awesome it's great to like I, I couldn't imagine because uh, i i actually enjoyed the wild wild west i really enjoyed that film you know that's the film that he he always talks about stop it, Kyron. Now, I, I the enjoyed soundtrack was the, the soundtrack was fire. The movie itself. it was disco, it was disco. it was a funny, it was a funny movie. I liked it. Yo, um, man, that that was uh, that little backstory. Uh, the guy who produced it, I don't remember if it's Goober or Peters. He uh, he was uh, uh, a producer on Batman, 
and uh, he kept trying to get Tim Burton to put this giant wooden spider in the movie. Mm -hmm. And Tim was like, nah. And then it's just funny that like he produces another movie and he's like, listen, I need a giant wooden spider. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like, there's so much goofballing in that movie, like the little neck things and like, you know, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. I love it. I love it. All right. So question number two. Um, yeah. I've been uh, making comics for almost 10 years. Um, Kyron's been in it for how many years now, Kyron? You've been making comics? About eight years now. About eight years. years. yeah. And uh, one thing I noticed is that there are, there are groups of people. There are people who collect comics and then there are people who read comics and then there are the people that are in between. Um, so I would, I would, I want to know, uh, if you could only, you know, have one of those groups of people, people who collect comics or people who read comics, uh, which group would you which group would you keep and why? Read comics, man. And I and my answer is, uh, I got this spinner rack behind me, right? And I have comics in there that if they were slabbed, they'd be worth that spinner rack. If it was all slabbed and in good shape, like a collector, that spinner rack's worth a hundred thousand dollars. But the fact remains, those are my comics I bought off the stands when they came out. I have a Hulk 340 that's signed by Todd that I rolled up and put in my back pocket because I loved that comic. I don't make comics to be put away and hidden. I make comics to be enjoyed and read. So I pick readers. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I agree with you. Kyron is a collector. He doesn't even read comics, but I, you know, I... (laughs) <laughs> I enjoy reading the reading the, the amount of lies you spreading on this episode. <laughs> if you weren't on the other side of the country, I'd kick your ass. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Question number three. So I've this probably out of the eleven episodes that we've done, you know, half the people I've I've talked to about a specific movie. Um, you've been I scrolled through your social media and I saw that you posted a gift of uh one, my my all-time favorite movie Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Oh, yeah. Um it's my favorite movie and I always like to ask people who are aware of that film and who love that film um would you take uh Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon or The Karate Kid? Which one is the better film? Oh man. <laughs> Why would you do this? Why would you it's do this? Thing. He always does this. <laughs> Oh man, uh, the message in in both is very similar, uh, which is to find uh, deep down inside you who you are uh, and recognize who you are. You know, of course, uh, Bruce Leroy found the glow and that the belt was from J.C. Penney and the fortune cookies were garbage and we had vanity uh, and you know shaking your pizza down to Papa's Pizza and all that goodness. Um, but I'll tell you that look of Mr. Miyagi when Daniel wins and he turns and he does the nod every single time tears. Uh, I'm going with Karate Kid. Sorry, man. Sorry, yeah, right at the buzzer on that 45 yeah, seconds. Hold there. on, guys. Sorry, what's on? Yes, I gotta, I gotta agree. He that that look of Miyagi that that gets you. Yeah. It does. I disagree. I, mean, I, disagree I love it. Yo, hey. You just got the glow. <laughs> too many good moments. I mean, yeah, too many good moments. Who's the greatest show enough? Now kiss my converse. Kiss my and if you guys didn't know, Pat Morita actually grew up here in the Sacramento area. That's why he's so great. So just letting you know. Okay. All right. I'll let y'all, I'll let y'all have it. Um, all right. So question number four. 
Oh, so like I like I mentioned, you have a, a great career in storyboarding for film also. So if you had to pick one to do for the rest of your life and you couldn't do the other, would you pick storyboarding for film or comics? Comics. That's it. Comics. And and both are very rewarding. Uh, I enjoy storyboards because I'm part of a process. I'm, I'm uh, a, a team member uh, and I help. Uh, facilitate a lot of stuff whether it's planning or uh, assisting uh, a a camera person knowing what the angle is or an actor knowing what their scene is it's rewarding in that way but there's something amazing about comics full authorship where you get to do the whole shebang uh, and and share it with everybody so comics man I love it I love it great answer all right and last but not least Mm -hmm. um Last but not least, uh, your your character Rascal came yes, to yes. Earth. Just happened to come to Earth on my little brother's actual birthday, so uh, four twenty nineteen ninety three, I believe the date was. Whoa. And um, and Lucky I just man. thought it was, <laughs> I just thought that it was amazing, you know, that you know something was a coincidence like that. But I like to put um, like dates and stuff like that that are significant to me in my comics uh, as little Easter eggs and stuff. And I, yeah try to include them just as talking points and stuff like that for later. So I was wondering, are there any Easter eggs that uh, you put in your comics or is that not something that you like to do? Ha ha. Ha ha. I'm the Easter bunny, bro. <laughs> I I put Easter eggs uh, in all of my comics. The, in fact, uh, in the Black Flag series, there are Easter eggs all over the place. Uh, in the new series I'm working on now, there's Easter eggs all over the place. Another uh, Easter egg that a lot of people don't know about is the late, great Mike Turner and I were, were buddies. And I used to hide the number 21 in my comic for him. And he used to hide the number 23 in his comics for me. And whenever our books would come out, we would call each other and like play the game of where's the, where's the number. In fact, wow. if you look at f- the cover of Fathom number one, there's a hidden 23 in there. Uh, but I am I am the Easter Bunny. Oh, oh, oh! Hey. I love it. I love it. See, now I got it. I'm gonna go back and look look for those. I, I love uh, seeing stuff like that. And I think one of the things that film did good did very well about you know about uh, translating comics, especially the Marvel films. They have uh, you know done that Easter egg hunt. They made that Easter egg hunt um, fun for the for the viewers, and that's uh, that's great. So that was awesome. That was awesome. That was uh, our quick takes. And I'll hand the show back over to Kyra now. All right. All right. Quick takes. <laughs> Those quick takes were brought to you by the numbers 21 and 23 today and the letter B. <laughs> and used to be the Navy, but now it's the Army. Now it's the Army. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Thing, thing. They didn't want, you know, the asthma inhalers make you look weak, I guess. So I really think that's what it was. All right, well, well, let's get back to Dan instead of me. Um, let's talk about actually something that Danny brought up during his quick takes. Mm. You are also a storyboard artist, um, and you've yeah. done storyboards for a, a lot of different series, movies, things like that. Yeah. How different is it doing storyboards to comic books as far as the process themselves? I know you said you like drawing comics more, but how different is it the process of making a storyboard compared to a comic? I, well, first off, I love them both. Uh, I, I, you know, you, you made me make the choice if I could, you know, just do one. Uh, I love them both. The It's an interesting uh, 
topic. In fact, it's one that I've, I've talked to uh, another friend of mine that was a comic book artist who also storyboards now. Uh, and he was asking me what it was like to be back drawing comics again. And, and I said, it's really weird because going from comics into boarding felt like an easier transition than going from boarding back into comics. Mm. And, and the reason for that is that uh, it, with storyboards, you're dealing with a fixed frame. You're, you're, you're working with the same aspect ratio. Uh, if you're doing two, three, five, you're staying there unless it's like galaxy quest where they went from, you know, TV to wide to wide. They did a little gimmick there, but uh, for the underrated film, by the way, uh, super underrated. Uh, How that underrated? uh, Everybody loves that though. Like everybody everybody that loves it, loves it. But some people go, what's that? Yeah. Never give up. Never Uh, surrender. That's right. Uh, Just punch myself in the chest, (laughs) man. Uh, uh, But uh, the, you're, you're dealing with a fixed frame. You're also dealing with camera movement uh, and character movement. And you also are knowing that, you know, that eventually there will be uh, a soundtrack or sound effects uh, on top of it. So the fact that it's a fixed frame means you're really dealing with uh, the idea of cinematic storytelling. And when the camera moves, you you have an idea of geography and and that sort of thing. but here's the other part. It doesn't matter who talks first in a storyboard frame because their lips are moving and you see them move, moving and you know they're talking. Uh, and it's a fixed frame and it's a single fixed frame. You're composing for a frame and composing for a sequence. And as long as you kind of hang on um, the rules of filmic grammar, which is like not crossing the 180 line, there's typical coverage of over the shoulders, a master, um, you know, movement uh for emphasis of emotion or movement uh to increase the the action uh that coming from comics it's much easier going back from storyboards into comics it's very different and and you know like i said uh in comics the person that is talking first is generally the person on the left side of the panel right because we read left to right top to bottom at least in the western stuff uh, in manga, of course, it's the other way, uh, you know, right to left, top to bottom. Uh, but you're also dealing with the design of a page. It's not just a fixed, uh, fixed frame. You're, the frames contexts in the context of what frame comes before and after or what frames come before and after are very important in comics. Uh, you have to be able to lead the eye on a two dimensional page. So you're actually working with graphic design. You're working with blocking of character placement. If you want that character who's talking uh, first to be here, even though they were the second character talking, you have to do it in a way that leads the eye. Otherwise, it creates confusion. So uh, I'll tell you, going back. Oh, oh, and here's the other thing. Word balloons. Okay. That's a big difference, too. Got to leave space for the word balloons. You got to leave space for the word balloons. And, And I learned that the hard way. I mean, it's kind of a... Uh, my fault, writer's fault. But when I went back to He-Man, Tim Seeley, uh, incredibly talented guy, was jamming like three pages worth of stuff into every page. Mm. So I was really trying to like mash everything I could into these pages. 
was very happy with the way they turned out when I was done artistically and like the eye flows and all this stuff. But then when I saw it in print, there's all these word balloons over heads and over details and things. And I was like, oh, I forgot about word balloons, mm-hmm. you know? So you got to think about that. So there's a lot of similarities, but they're very, very different from each other. I love it. I, I, one of the best things about comics is also one of the worst things about comics. You can literally do anything in a comic book. Like, uh, there's, there's no restriction. You can have cameras on top here, then yeah. through walls and all kinds. You can do, well, you can do anything. There, there are ways. I mean, if, if you look, uh, my favorite comic of all times is Frank Miller's The Dark Knight that came out in 1986. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's really interesting about his book is he created limits for himself. Uh, He was working on a four by four grid and uh, it was 16 panels. But what he would do if he wanted a bigger panel, he would just combo up two of them or three of them. Mm -hmm. But he always stayed within those parameters. So he actually gave himself limits. It's so I see you have a keyboard back there. So you're in the music production, right? Now, if you had, I don't know what you use. I use Logic. I use Fruity Loops, you know, uh and and but imagine imagine though that you only had in your drum kit you had 10 sounds Mm -hmm. okay and in your basses you had five sounds and and in your you know your keys you had five sounds Mm -hmm. you would make music using just those and you would make it work for you and it would be it would be your sound Mm -hmm. but if you had thousands and thousands of options on every sound you would be sitting there going this snare nah this snare no 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 this snare Take oh forever. what if i what if i what about this snare and suddenly you're creating this sort of like paralysis for yourself because you didn't give yourself limits so the, the yeah it, when in in regard to best best thing and worst thing about comics is is the sky's the limit uh give yourself limits and you'll find it it, it to be slightly um easier to manage absolutely one of the um, one of the best things I learned, I, I work full time as a as a, a graphic designer for the Department of Veterans Affairs now. And one of the best things that I learned is, uh, yeah, I threw that in there, Kyron. It's okay. I'm just amazed at how many references <laughs> to the Army and Navy and mm-hmm. in the military hey, in general. There's it's, been it's, on lit- this it's literally half my life. It's like half my yeah, life. Man. I have to talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, I think the 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 branding guideline that we developed is was is so helpful not just for me, but to, you know, provide consistency and to build trust with, um, with our veterans and the, and the people that we communicate to, because they know that if they see these certain colors enough, or they see this, you know, certain font or logo, if they don't see the the font that we use, then they know it's not from us. You know, once you build that, you know, um, brand trust, but, um, it also helps with, because you got to meet your deadlines. You you have to meet your deadlines. So um, yeah. it, that that paralysis that you talked about uh, of choice, if I can't go outside of this guideline, it helps me to, you know, to, to do my job faster and more efficiently. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's what I tell people, too, like that aren't musicians or, you know, that aren't artists. I said, if someone puts, you know, four, five Blu-rays in front of you, uh, how long would it take you to pick a movie? And they're like, ah, I don't know, maybe less than less than a couple of minutes. And I said, but if they put 5,000 Blu-rays in front of you, how, how long would it take you to choose? Not only just to go through them, but like the, I like that one, but I like that one, but I like that one, mm-hmm. right? Give them, give them less choices. 
Yeah, I agree. All right, well, we have a couple more minutes here, so I, I do want to get at least one more question that's not comics related. And before, mm. um, yeah. along with comics, you also express many times that you have a love for hip hop and rap. Oh yeah, yes. Um, who is well, your mixtape? By the way, it was pretty good. That was old school, man. <laughs> Nineteen ninety four. Yeah. So, who is your favorite hip hop artist currently? And then growing up, who was your favorite hip hop artist? Uh, well, the answer is always Rakim. Uh, but like no matter what, it's always Rakim. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he's the goat. Uh, and I, I, I got the chance to hang out with him a couple times, and he's everything that you'd want him to be. Um, let's see, working today, uh, it's a toss up between Kendrick and J Cole. I think both of those guys really, um. Are, are perfect examples of what I like in hip hop, really sound production, really uh, insightful, thought provoking lyrics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I think like I is, is guilty pleasure. I like Drake. I know that's not a popular answer, but he sells, right? Like yeah. there's mm -hmm. something uh, I'm looking forward to Donda, uh, looking forward to Donda, looking forward to Donda over <laughs> and over again. Thank you, Kanye. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but as a kid, uh, I liked Rakim. There was a, a rapper named Paris. I don't know if you remember Paris. Mm -hmm. He did a EPMD. song. Yeah. yeah. De Devil made me do it. Mm -hmm. uh, EPMD was great too with Eric Sermon. Um, I have favorite producers, you know, DJ Premier was uh, up there. Dilla, uh, Jay Dilla is up hey, there. Dilla. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, I also like Logic. Uh, you know, especially his, his earlier mixtape stuff, like the Young Sinatra stuff and the Young Broken Infamous, like the, the early stuff. Um, I liked, of course, who didn't like Run DMC, LL Cool J. Um, those were, you know, mainstays. But I grew up, that, that's the thing, Kyron. I, I grew up near, near where you're at. I grew up in, in Martinez, which is only a couple hours from mm -hmm. Sacktown and, and uh, you know, we got we got guys like E40 and and uh, uh, yep. you know Ant Banks and Too Short and Digital <laughs> Underground. So we you know we got those sort of local flavors. Uh, but also being the West Coast, you know, we we got infused with all the 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 Death Row, Dog Pound, DJ Quick, like all that stuff, um, and the New York stuff, like the really good New York stuff, uh, like Nas and Big L and, and those guys, they didn't play on the radio, uh, as much, uh, on the West, you know, you had to go. I remember the first time I heard, uh, protect your neck by, uh, you know, by Wu-Tang and was like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And it played like one time at like midnight on KSOL, uh, yeah. you know, which was, uh, turned into wild one Oh seven. It used to be 94, nine. And then it turned into wild one Oh seven, but, I heard it and I was like, what is that? You know? Yeah, it really uh, wasn't like the mid to late nineties where they really started playing East Coast stuff over here. It's a, com right, it's a completely right. different sound right there. Yeah. Yeah. But I got bit by the bug the first time I heard uh Sugar Hill Gang, you know, I, I got Ooh. bit by the bug and of course Blondie's Rapture. Five five mm -hmm. Freddy, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, that I got bit, you know, and and of course like eighty two, eighty three, we had uh it was a cultural phenomenon, the the some of the elements break dancing and, and graffiti you know you know had style wars and wild style and of course beat street breaking uh which were crazy if you look at beat street and breaking which are like seminal uh 
you know, hip hop uh, movies. They were produced by Jewish dudes. Like the, these dudes were like, this looks like something we can make some money on, you know? Pretty it's much. crazy though, but it's true. Like, go watch yeah. the credits. You're like, you know, whoa, shit. Like, but, but, you know, of course, it worked. Know, yeah, we, it, it was weird though, because, um, there were, I, you know, I'm, I'm old, not old. I don't feel old, but, uh, grew up during the, the heyday of breakdancing. And it was such a weird thing, uh, to have go to one place and the, the, uh, breakdance surface of preference was cardboard because mm -hmm. if you came in with, uh, linoleum, you were whack, you know, mm. but then you could go to another place where they were laying down the linoleum and if you came with cardboard, they're like, get that whack shit out of here. You know, mm. we do, you know, we do linoleum. You could spend more on this shit. And it was like, it, it's like, are you both right? Are you both wrong? You know, it was a weird thing. Linoleum or cardboard. I didn't care. As long as I, I was a pop, I was a pop locker. I was never really good on the floor. What? I'm not spending on anything anyway. Wait, wait, care. let's go back to you're a pop locker. I want to see something. Uh, I did this, uh, this old like King Tut uh routine when i was a kid it was like okay you know a lot yeah. of hands and and pop locking and like the shaking you know oh, ozone yeah. turbo type shit <laughs> all right this has been fun man uh, you got any more questions for mr fragaboom before we let him go i'm all good man this was this was great i like i said i appreciate you taking the time for us this morning and uh you okay. know next time we'll make sure we get your time right <laughs> all right all right yeah, not, not a problem, man. I was actually like, oh, okay, I'm doing this at 10 tonight. I'll I'll have some coffee, you know? Uh, not a problem, but AM is great, you guys. I, I'm looking forward yeah, for to it. For y'all, it's great. Uh, for me, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah, 8 AM over there for you. Yeah. Danny, where are you at, man? I'm in North Carolina, so I'm... Oh, I've been okay, up. you're north of me, man. All right, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm here in Georgia. Oh, oh, nice, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. See, I can. I, I'm my my sister lives down there, so I, I've been. Yeah, well, been we're in Alpharetta. If you get down this way, oh, let me know, man. Absolutely, I will. Just Thank reach you. out, but send me that blurred uh, uh, test, man. Because I believe it or not, I I am a member of uh, many blurred uh, Facebook groups, uh, and 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 uh, big fan of Black Twitter. So you know, it. it Cause I mean, I, I don't give a fuck about melanin, man. Like for me, I, I just love, I love culture, man. That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, where, where can we find any of your current work? If you have a website, uh, social well, media, right now like I have an active campaign on Indiegogo. Uh, you just search for uh, Dan Frega's black flag on Indiegogo. If you uh, search for Frega boom, F R A G A B O O M on uh, YouTube, you can find me there. And on Twitter, it's Couch Doodles, and same thing on uh, Instagram. It used to be Fragaboom on Instagram, and and then it wasn't. Um, oh. But if you want to see, if you guys want to see some freestyle raps, and I'm talking true, off the top of the dome, legit freestyle rapping, uh, Fragaboom twenty three on Instagram. But I warn people, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh oh, well, now I gotta go look. Now I gotta yeah. Go. But if you downloaded my mixtape, man, download the, the sketch tracks because I'm making a new mixtape uh, that's coming out. So there's like 45 tracks on that other one. Awesome. Love yeah, it. All, all crafted, all crafted by, by my hands, man. It's good stuff. All right, Danny, what about you? Where can we find your amazing work? 
Um, you guys know me, um, the Ace Blade on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and um, Danny J Quick on Facebook. Oh, yeah, DJ right, Quick, can... man. That's right. Tonight's That's... the night. That's it. <laughs> You can find my work at TaurusComics.com. I am on Twitter and Instagram and at Facebook at Taurus Comics. Um, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you can go back and listen to other podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, all your major podcast platforms. Just search for Tales Podcast, number four, T-A-L-E-S Podcast, or go to fourtalespodcast.com. We do appreciate all the reviews that you guys have been doing. Um, everybody liking our stuff on YouTube, which it's still growing, but we're glad for everybody that's viewed our work there. Um, but for right now, we want to say sayonara, goodbye, and uh, please take care of yourselves. Music provided by my brother, Quicks Made It. Find him online in YouTube, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I want to know what it is Quick is trying to say. Thank you.